0: Welcome back to the podcast on this Friday. Pastor John is back with us in the studio, and no theme runs through your writing and speaking more consistently than the truth that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. It's the watchword of Christian hedonism. And now you've written this new book, Come Lord Jesus, Meditations on the Second Coming of Christ, which is a beautiful book. I have it in hand. And today I want to hear what you learned during uh, the process. I mean, you've said many times that you make discoveries as you write. Back in APJ 3, (laughs) the third episode we ever did, you said, quote, writing for me has become a way of seeing, end quote. And then later in APJ 613, another episode on writing, you said, quote, writing is a way the mind can start seeing clearly what was before a fuzzy tangle of thoughts, end quote. And uh, and then, of course, in APJ 1196, on, on book writing, an episode we did on book writing, you said that, for yourself, writing a book is to watch a book slowly come to life as, quote, the writing itself becomes a way of seeing, end quote. So as you write more, you see more. So as you wrote this new book on the second coming of Christ, what did you see more clearly Uh, What discoveries stand out? And particularly, did you make any new key discoveries about how Christian hedonism echoes in the Second Coming?
1: Well, the discovery, the key discovery of the connection between Christian hedonism and the Second Coming happened a long time ago, Hmm. not while I was writing the book. It happened way back when I was first trying to understand the relationship between God's God-centeredness, and God's love for us. As soon as I read in seminary, Edward's book, Jonathan Edward's book, The End for Which God Created the World, I began to see everywhere in Scripture statements to the effect that God does everything for his namesake Mm -hmm. or for his glory. And that's what I mean by God's God-centeredness, doing things for his own namesake. He predestined salvation for his glory, Ephesians 1.5. He created the world for his glory, Isaiah three seven. He guided the history of Israel for his glory, Jeremiah 13.11. He sent Christ into the world for his glory, Romans 15.9. He forgives sin now for his glory, 1 John 2.12. He sanctifies his people for his glory, 2 Thessalonians 2.12. And then I asked, is that true for the second coming? I asked that a long time ago. And the answer Paul gives in 2 Thessalonians 7 to 10 is simply amazing because
2: it not only shows that Jesus is coming back for his own glory, but it does so in a way that is an answer to the question,
1: well, how is Christ's self-exaltation at the second coming really an act of love for his people. We, we usually think self-exaltation and love are opposites. Yeah. How does that work at
2: the second coming? And here's, let me read Paul's answer. He will grant relief to you who are afflicted
1: as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And here comes the key phrase. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints. So pause here before I finish the sentence. Jesus is coming back to be glorified in his saints. That's what I mean when I say that he is self-exalting. There is the self-exaltation of Christ. He's coming back to be exalted. He's coming back to be glorified. His aim in coming is that he be exalted, glorified. That is his purpose in coming, according to that verse. And it would be easy to show that this is, of course, the same as God's aim to be glorified in all that he does because God is sending Christ back so that as the Son is glorified, the Father would be glorified in him. And then comes the essentially Christian hedonist twist in verse 10. When he comes on that day, to be glorified in his saints, and to be marvelled at among all who have believed. So he's coming to be glorified in the saints, and to be marvelled at
2: among the saints. And I ask, are those distinct, mm-hmm. like ham and eggs, like the ham? of being glorified, and the eggs of being marveled at? Or are they not distinct, but like jewel and diamond? Or like celebrating and clapping? A a diamond is a jewel. Clapping is a way we celebrate something. And when he comes on that day to be glorified and to be marveled at, my understanding is these two acts, to be glorified, to
1: be marveled at, these two acts of the believers at the coming of Christ are not distinct like ham and eggs.
2: Being marveled at is the way Christ will be glorified when he comes. He's glorified by being marveled at. Now, let's think about that, because this is right at the heart of Christian hedonism. What is marveling? What's marveling? Another word for marveling is being amazed. Amazement and marveling are not thoughts.
1: They're not thoughts, they're emotions. If you see something marvelous and you feel nothing, you're not marveling. I don't care what you think. (laughs) If, if If you see something amazing and you don't feel any amazement, you're not amazed. Marveling is a feeling. Being amazed is a feeling,
2: not a mere thought. Well, what kind of feeling is it? It's a good feeling. People pursue amazement. They pursue marveling. That's why we go to the mountains
1: and the canyons. That's why we get out of the city lights so that we can see the stars. People pay money to be amazed, to marvel. It's a good feeling, it's a desirable
2: feeling. It's a species of pleasure. Joy, gladness, satisfaction. And you see where that leaves us. Hmm. Second Thessalonians
1: one ten, when he comes on that day to be glorified and to be marveled at, that is, he's coming to be
2: glorified in us by our marveling at him. He will be glorified in us
1: when we experience the satisfaction of marveling at him in his coming. It's pure Christian hedonism. It's the way God designed the universe. He will get glory. That's why he made everything. He will get glory. He will get glory and we will get the
2: joy. And by our getting the joy in his glory. He will get the glory from our joy. Which is the answer to the question now, how is it loving
1: for God to be so God centered? How is it loving for Christ to be so Christ exalting? And the answer is Christ is not Christ
2: exalting at our expense. Hmm. He is Christ exalting through our joy. The way He maximizes
1: His glory. Is by maximizing our joy in that glory. He magnifies the radiance of His glory by multiplying
2: the marveling of people in that glory. The more we marvel, the more He shines. The more we
1: marvel, the happier we are. It's a form of happiness. This is love. Right at the heart of the design of the universe is love. So, yes. I did see a relationship between <laughs> the second coming and Christian hedonism, yeah. and, it, and it goes to the very heart of God's purposes and ways in creation and redemption and consummation in the world. Christ is coming on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, which takes us back to the verse from which the whole book sprang. Uh, namely 2 Timothy 4, 8, which says, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. And that love is a desiring love. It's a cherishing love, a treasuring love, a longing love. It's the kind of love that wants the beloved. And what... The discovery of Christian hedonism at the second coming does, is simply add another reason, an amazing reason, for us to love the Lord's appearing, and that's my mm. prayer for myself, and and why I wrote the book.
0: That second Thessalonians one ten pa- passage appears two times in Desiring God, your book. Two Timothy four mm. eight doesn't appear in Desiring God. Was that text mm. something that um, kind of grew on you over the years? Do you remember?
1: Oh yeah. I'm- just a couple of years ago, okay. um, I, I I wasn't, I don't recall ever stopping, I mean, maybe I did, and I just don't remember, but stopping and saying, that's big, that's a foundation for a book. But two years ago, that's exactly what happened. Got and I just, I, I had thought, a book on the second coming, I think is needed. There's not enough thought about that, not enough affection for it, but I, I didn't have any place to hang it. And, and when I saw that, I said, okay, that's it. That's
0: it. Yeah, it's incredible how God sort of waits for the right time for a text to kind of stand out, right? Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor John. Come, Lord Jesus, meditations on the second coming of Christ. The new book is is beautiful. I'm holding it right now. It's now out in print. And, of course, you can download the entire book as a PDF at desiringgod.org. Thank you for joining us today. Ask a question of your own. Search our growing archive or subscribe to the podcast all at askpastorjohn.com. We're back on Monday, uh, Memorial Day here in the States, and we're back with hope. Hope for fragile hearts and hope
2: for fragmented minds. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. See you on Monday.